you so much for joining us on our podcast today. I am Joyce Owuma and I am your host for this podcast edition. With me today, we have an amazing guest. They are queer, they are black, and they're living with HIV. Thank you so much for honoring our invitation to be our guest on our podcast today. We are excited to host you. I am the one who's, who's like you. I'm I'm smiling so hard right now. <laughs> you can see me. <laughs> well, we are so delighted to host you, Ruel. And on this edition, we are looking yeah. forward to listening to your experiences as a young queer black person. Um, when it comes to accessing essential health services. Yeah. We would also love to understand some of the key issues that affect Yankee population when they mm-hmm. seek health services. And finally, yeah. we'd also like to hear from you on what mm-hmm. programmers and influencers and donors and ministries can do to get it right in key population programming. Yeah, so okay. You are all psyched up for this conversation. Ooh, yes, 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 I am. I am. <laughs> okay, so to get us started, um, please tell us a little bit about you. Who is Ruel and what's your story? So um okay, my name is my my official names, the ID names is Alvin Okeo. I decided to pick Ruel um once I came out as being queer. Uh Ruel means friend of God in Hebrew. I am queer, gender non-conforming, openly living with HIV. Yeah, one year anniversary was in September 26th. That was like two weeks ago. Um a, a sexual reproductive health and rights advocate working with Kenneth and Jacob's house. Kenneth and Jacob's house is a shelter that's a transitional shelter home which provides psychosocial support, advocacy, shelter and care for homeless um, LGBTQ youth aged between 18 and 24 in Kenya. I also a peer educator at Ishta MSM, a community-based organization that deals with uh, sexual reproductive health rights for men who have sex with men and help to curb stigma and discrimination against the key population youth. In, in a nutshell, <laughs> that's it. Uh, thank you very much for sharing that. And wow, it's mm. only been a year. And well, we are having this conversation at a very timely time, like um, it's two weeks since what, your first anniversary living yeah. with HIV? Yes, uh, September, 26th. Mm-hmm. September 26th was celebrating one year living with HIV. It has been quite the journey. It has been quite the journey. Loads of tears, mm-hmm. massive laughter, you know, uh, work, uh, self, self. I've been working on myself for a very long time, duration of one year, therapy sessions, adherence to medication. It has been quite the journey. Wow. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And indeed, you have defied all odds to handle all that in a year. I mean, in yes. the past year, your life basically took a U-turn and you managed to stay in control and even inspire others. So that would yes. lead thank me you. actually to my next question to you, Ruel, is as a young queer Black person living openly with HIV, as you have um, explicitly yeah. stated, what are yeah. some of the challenges you face when seeking health services? Initially, uh, before I actually started uh, taking medication in, in a community-based uh, setting, clinic, you know, uh, trying to get medication from a public a hospital or clinic, it, it's quite hard because you get that stigma from healthcare workers. is It's very, very high. You get like this, uh, they, they, they probably be talking in minute tones amongst themselves, probably if it's nurses. Like uh, you just get, I uh, hope I, I will translate it later. They just say like, eh, how was squeezy vagina? You know, so it's translated to um, young people love sleeping a lot around. That's where they're getting the virus. You get, um, sometimes you get stares, um, suggestive stares like, you know what? Yeah, we know you're queer. We know you're HIV positive. Probably you got HIV uh, through your promiscuity, you be, you know it's it, it's really 
it's, it's, it's demeaning, you know, coming from some healthcare providers, especially some who've just recently probably, let's say, co uh, completed their studies, or even the older, the older generation you get, they're not yet that um, vast in in healthcare providing for young or LGBT or the key population in short, how to transmit or offer the services. So you get, it's really, really stigmatizing because uh, you get, uh, this This not only happened to me, but my my brother as well. There's a time he, he went to a clinic just to get um, some tests done. And then he was put in a group with other people, you know, instead of it being a one-on-one -on -one kind of uh, therapy session, it was kind of like, I, I wouldn't call it support group, but it was just a group of people way older than than his age because my brother, I think at the time he was he was 20. So having a 20 year old in the same group as probably guys in their 30s or 40s, you know, it's very, very, it, it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable. So some of the challenges have been stigma and discrimination and also um, drug shortages. Like recently in the past year, we've been having ARV shortages. You get to a clinic, you you try to get medication at all, there's no medication, you know, the government is, um, you know, with the tax, the tax issues they had, it, it, it was really quite challenging, considering that I'm, I, I recently just tested positive, then you come in here that there is less medication, you know, that affects even your health, your, your health status mentally, you set your mind, yes, you're positive, you want to get better, you want to live healthy, but then again, there's no medication. You know, so it becomes quite uh, the hurdle, maneuvering all that, you know. Also, a friend of mine today, we were, we were just talking and he said because he's taking um, the second line treatment of HIV and his clinic is out of medication for him to get to take care of himself. You know, so such problems really, they're quite challenging because how can we get better if... Um, everything around us is, is against us. Well, uh, thank you so much, Royal. I hear you. And I am particularly worried about the ARV shortages as well. And it yeah. is sad that this has still been protracted. I mean, it's been months and months in Kenya since yeah. uh, the ARV shortage issue um, started. And I also hear you about the poor healthcare provider attitudes and stigma and discrimination. It is sad yeah. that after all those decades of um, programming, we are not just getting it right yet. Yeah. I mean, we are looking the other way when young population are being turned away from getting essential services, like they're being denied mm -hmm. essential services. That is their right, yeah. and it's very yeah. sad. And this yeah. brings me to my other question to you: Is that um, has this have these issues affected your uptake of these essential um, HIV SRH services? Uh, before before I started taking my medication in a community based setting, it's really it it was a problem because you get that you're even afraid. You know, you, you you haven't yet accepted to yourself that you're HIV positive. And here comes probably a healthcare provider who's giving you more stigma, you know, making, the, 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 they're judging you, you know? So it's really, you're like, ah, you know what? If this is how, this is how I'm supposed to be taking medication, mm -mm, I can't, let me, let me just, before uh, getting um, help elsewhere, I, I just couldn't access medication because of like, uh, now if this is a routine, I'd rather like, I'd rather it take me slowly, you know, but then again, luckily I, I got like, I shared it to a friend of mine and a friend of mine was open enough to tell me about Ishta. And so I started taking my medication and yeah, right now it's one year down the line. <laughs> yeah. But it, it was quite the hurdle. I, I, I would, I would dread going for medication that would dread going for medication stigma around wow. yeah um it's, it's quite interesting how much can happen in, in a year i mean the good the bad the laughter as you know, yeah and now i am curious um in the past year well 
How yeah. have you coped with these challenges? What forms of support have you acquired in your journey so far? Uh, I started therapy sessions. I had, if I keep on adhering to medication, I would be okay, you know, a health diet. Um, I even, uh, I, I, I think initially when I, I tested positive, I kind of like reached out to Doreen on Doreen Moracha on her Twitter page. And, you know, she was really, really encouraging. She just told me, you know what, um, HIV is not the end. You can live lifelong, you know, and with other idols uh, like Asumta who came out back then when stigma was very, very rampant as compared to now. Well, they, I started, I quit um, drinking, I quit smoking. I just decided to tell, I, I told myself um, for me to get better, I needed to get better if you can guess what i'm saying you know so i i had a complete uh turnaround of events in my life you know any 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 vices which i felt would hinder my health i did away with it i talked to uh my friend my close friends especially my best friend was a huge huge support system he really walked to help my hand through most of most of um most of it because you know i had this self-stigma like why couldn't I just uh, get an SDI, you know, because uh, I got uh, infected by someone I was having a thing with. And so I really, really was torn because I was like, why didn't I get an SDI and have it treated? And that's it, you know. I I, I hated myself for, for a long time because I, I kept on hating, hating that fact that, you know what, um, I'm worthless, I'm nothing. I got this as punishment, probably for being queer, probably for promiscuity. I, I, I had to find a way to maneuver around it. I just had to tell myself, no, you can't keep on beating yourself down because the more you do that, the more this thing has weight on you. So I like, through therapy sessions and constant validation from uh, friends and family, I got to get myself out of that dark place and initially just told myself, you know what, HIV is, my, is a guest. It's, it's in my body, so it will have to live by my rules, not by its rules. I just said I don't want any opportunistic diseases. I don't want any complications, be it uh, pressure, be it uh, health complications. I just told it, now I'll be taking this medication and that's it. Once a day, it's not even three seconds, you know, it's just swallowing a pill and moving on with life. So I told myself, you know what, this thing will not bring me down. So that is, it, it is through that entire process that I did manage to, to work on myself and become a, a better version of myself. That's so wonderful to hear um, how much you have recovered and how I wish um, every young population out there would be as open as you are. It's not that easy because, again, also one of one, one of the challenge is that me being a peer educator, mm -hmm. I have had um, peers openly uh, discriminating against people who live with HIV. You know, it's one thing coming from uh, the general public, someone who isn't aware about HIV, but it's coming from a peer. You know, that thing, it hurts differently because there's this one time we were having a chat with a friend of mine and uh, they, they are a peer at, um, at Ishta, although they, they, they left, but we were just talking and then he just happened to mention like where well, you know how people out here be having hiv personally i just can't be with someone who's hiv positive you know so hearing that 
just shuts you out completely. You know, it, it shuts someone to a point where you become so afraid to even find acceptance from people of your own community. I mean, we're already being stigmatized by the general public as it is. It's really, really painful coming from your own community. You know, you've been kicked out by your family members, the government doesn't recognize who you are, and then come, come to realize that also some of the peers as well have an issue against what they're being sensitized about. Because you know, being a peer, it's all about um, advancing sexual health um, information to other peers, you know, for to get a great uh, healthcare coverage system. But it, it, it hurts, you know, I, I, I put myself in another peer's position uh, who is not as strong, who is not as courageous. That person would actually shut, you know, they would not want to disclose it to anyone because they feel um, so ashamed and they feel that they have no one to lean on to. So most uh, key population guys are already like, you know what, the world is already against me. So if my own peers are also against me, then I will just die with, this, with my secret, you know? So that is how most, most peers feel. And I, I just decided like, um, I'm just going to, to become a champion and speak for that voiceless young person who has no strength or courage to actually stand up and take charge on their own. Mm. Again, that's that's so deep. Um, when you mention uh, your own family kicking you out, and you know the government not recognizing who you are, and then here now you are hosting another virus. I'm just trying to imagine the much intersectionalities that you have had to encounter, and still you have emerged, um, you know, stronger and an inspiration to other young population. And we thank you for that. Now, Ruel, we have had a lot of conversations around the issues that young populations are facing at the facilities yeah. and accessing services. So, yeah. is there a good side to this? Um, are there any systems that your facility has put in place to meet the needs of young population? Uh, um, we do have, um, Ishta has set up, Ishta has a really, really great support group for young people living with HIV where they get to have a session uh, and have people get empowered, you know, and so here is where you get someone like in the support group, it comes a time where people have to talk about ways to generate income, not only to depend on um, uh um, the stipends they, they, they're getting from the organization. But then again, they need to have their own source, other sources of income, you know. So through, it is through the support groups where people have opened their, their businesses. Some are doing tailoring, some are doing bakery, some are making mats, you know, making... Every, so the support group brings everyone to become, to, to become a better version of themselves. It's not always about... Um, having a good time and drinking, you know, and the partying. Now it's, it's about what are you going home to do? So the support group at Ishta has really, has really um, opened doors for, for, for young peers to do that. You know, and also working with Kenneth and Jacob's house, we've also had that where we also get to empower um, the, the homeless peers and also the, uh, the, the peers living with HIV We've taught them a little bit of farming, you know, a little bit of uh, chicken, chi chicken rearing, breeding, yeah, chick yeah, how to handle chicken, selling of um, eggs and all that. So the, the the support groups have really been more of empower empowering someone to to become a better version of themselves. Um, mm -hmm. Wonderful. It, it's it's nice to hear um, that there are facilities that actually cater for the holistic um, needs of, of yeah. the young people, especially young key population. And yeah. um, I know you have mentioned all these nice things that Ishta um, 
has done and also the other facility. But I would also like to know, what do you wish that they could do better when providing health services to Yankee population? Not necessarily Ishta, but other, other, other facilities that are serving the Yankee population. What do you um, wish they could do better? I would wish for, how, how, how do I put it? Uh, there's some clinics which I've, I've been to where they have, um, um, the nurses or the, the caregivers are more of females, yeah? If there could be a balance, yeah, gender balance, if there could be a gender balance in where like when someone goes to a clinic and if they prefer to be treated by a male, they can have a male figure there. If they, they're, they're, they're best with a female provider, they could have female providers there because sometimes I get uh, messages from peers they're like do you know a clinic which has male caregivers because the one i went to has more female or the other way around like do you have which are female and you, yeah so if there could be a balance of gender of, of the gender in, in in clinics uh that would that would that would really be helpful that would be helpful i guess that is one of the major things i've actually encountered with from other peers which something which they're struggling with and also if there could be more of um uh how gosh how do i how do i please where you know sometimes you get that not most of the community clinics i'm speaking on community clinics because um, i don't know much about other facilities but if you could have more of um laboratory services you know because sometimes you get uh, let's say someone is having probably anal warts you know and they go to like two three clinics and then you're told you know what i will do not have this service here um as much as there are referrals if we could be having community clinics with um, a lab, a lab setting where you can get the service in a community shelter, because you get uh, right now, I think Hoimas is also having um, the anal wards uh, testing. But I'm speaking for someone who's part of the the Nairobi metropolitan, so someone who has to come say probably from just outside Nairobi, Machakos probably, you know, and they have no services, facility services in the area, and the ones they have, the services they need. Are not found in the clinic. So they have to commute all the way from Machakos probably to Nairobi to get the services done and, and head back. So if you could have more of, of the full medical, um, <laughs> I don't know if you're getting my point, that it's, that's how word. Yes, it's, yes, it's, yes, I'm, I'm getting you. And, yeah, it's, and it's, I totally it's, agree. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, if we had like uh, all the necessary services closer to all the people yeah. who need yeah, it will be way better. And of course, we are looking at holistic um, sort of services and integrated services whereby you can go seek your um, medication, your ART treatment and still get, you know, the other sexual reproductive health services like STI yeah. treatment, for example. And, and I yeah. totally agree with you and how I wish that the donors and, and ministries and even influencers could listen okay. and take this up because young population need this and it is not just the young population who need such services, but the young yeah. people in the entirety and in the diversity yeah. as well. Yeah, the general public also, because, yes. you know, at times I, I get uh, some of my friends who are really not comfortable going to other facilities, you know, because private hospitals are expensive. Uh, so the only way they can get to it is probably through a public uh, hospital because there are no community based uh, clinics in the areas you get uh, you go to a clinical service. Like, how would you start explaining to probably a 60 year old uh, physician? that a man has in what the first question is like how did you get it you know they haven't been sensitized to a point where they can accommodate everyone you know there's a saying which uh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks mm -hmm. so the stigma already they having in the public communities the public setting 
it's, it's already hectic enough, you know, and then coming to a community clinic, you get to a community clinic, but doesn't have the specific services you want. So now it has to cost someone more. And probably this is someone who's still in the closet. Their family doesn't have any clue about what they're going through. They have no finances on how to get their issue dealt with. So it becomes quite a hassle for them to access such medical service. So if we could have creation of probably some of these more community-based clinics in per se every county, because we all know as much as the government is yet to recognize us, data shows that HIV among key population is very high. Mm -hmm. And so it, in every county, if there could possibly, possibly, <laughs> yeah, possibly have a community clinic, if there could be a community clinic possibly in every county where every key pop is able to access uh, service, that would be that would be a milestone. That would be a really, really huge milestone. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Royal. And I'll, actually, I will let you come back to that particular point. And when, when you talk about all the essential services and the holistic services being centered in Nairobi and the major cities, as someone who comes out of who comes from a town outside Nairobi, I totally yeah. relate on the out-of-pocket expenditures and all that. And I can only imagine what yeah. the other young population are going through in order to seek these um, essential health services. As we conclude, Royal, um, recognizing how essential social support is to young population, and you mentioned something around around um, support groups, and you mentioned about you being a peer educator. So as yeah. a peer educator at ISHTA, how do you support other young queer, uh, queer people and other young people living with HIV who come to seek health services within your domain? I support other peers firstly by using my voice, by encouraging, encouraging them, because most of the time I, I have a friend actually who we're really, really struggling with him. Uh, they got referred to me by an organization and the organization told me like, this guy is giving up. This guy is on the brink of, uh, is, is on the point of no return. First, I, I opened a podcast to let that young person out there listening know that it is not the end. Because what most uh, guys go through is self-denial. I help them, I, I, I help them through my voice. I help them through, um, encouraging them and being there, you know, fighting their mental, I, I tend to cater for their mental health, you know, co connecting them with um, the right uh, community groups based on their sexual orientation. I help them get the, the, the help that they need because, you know, as, as much as I, someone is, let's say transgender, they can't probably relate well with, um, with an MSM clinic, you know, so I tend to send it to send them to a transgender friendly clinic because as much, you know, sometimes there's this one thing where we become so engrossed in what we know that we forget that not everyone knows what we know. I could be in the Nairobi metropolitan and I know about uh, Hoimas, I know about Ishta, I know about uh, Jinsiangu and all that. And I become so involved in the people I know, the peers around that most of the time we would forget that there is someone who is yet to know about it. And my target being that person, uh, allow me to use this word, I, I don't know if it's offensive, but allow me, that naive young person, I don't know if it's okay. <laughs> Please go ahead. Yeah, so, if, yeah, so that, that person who is clueless, now I tap them and I get to empower them about um, safer sexual practices, about 
community organizations that cater for their, for, for their specific needs. I get to connect them with community clinics, with a community groups, self-help groups, support groups, and just and I, I, encouraging them, encouraging them, because that is what we need to do most, because you know, we, we, we are already being crucified by everyone else. We should not be able to crucify ourselves. So if I create a platform where I get to reach out to them and help them out through their journey. So that is basically what I always do. That's that's wonderful. And that's really great. And they're really lucky to have you. I mean, the roles that you are playing in their lives, um, uh, the linkages and the referrals, being a safe space yourself uh, for someone that they can speak to, the sensitization, the mental health support, and many others that you have mentioned. It is indeed great work that you're doing. And they're very, very lucky to have you. And I wish almost every facility has <laughs> a educator like you. Because to, in order to cater for the diversity and the needs of young people and the young people, population we need such people in such spaces and now as we wrap up and also summing back to your previous point um what is your message to health ministries and key influencers in regard to young key population programming this would probably have to go to the ministry of education and it's a song which has been sung time and time again but we'll keep on singing until the tune sings in but sexual education is very important to the young adult because as much as we'd be turning a blind eye, we all know that the young adults are practicing, um, they're practicing as they indulge in sexual activities, but now they're practicing sexual activities without knowledge of how to go about it. It's just um, Wednesday, today's on Thursday, on Tuesday, I got a message that a friend of mine apparently um, has impregnated uh, a friend of hers, you know, a girl is, you know, you, so, you know, these kids are already practicing sexual activities. Let's not deny that fact and let's not turn a blind eye towards it. But now we need to have sexual education to teach them about um, use of condoms, use of PrEP, use of PEP, you know, the morning after pill. It's not only about, let's not focus on the, 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 the adult but let's also put focus on the young adults because they are tomorrow's future. So, you know, sexual, ed- sexual education is very, very important because we are turning a blind eye and we are losing um, the young souls. And then again, we'll go ahead and start pointing fingers. We should not be pointing fingers because this is something we know and this is something we can do about it. But because of um, the holier-than-thou mentality, we are losing them because we are not, we are not telling them the truth. We are not telling them about what it is they're doing or what it is they're going to do. We're just saying they're young kids. They do not know about it yet. We live in an area where technology is very vast. It's very, very wide. And kids are throughout using technology to find means to, to as an escape, you know. So before this young kid gets lost in something which they can't get themselves out, we could be able to prevent it earlier by having them know about these things instead of, of just saying, we'll wait for them to finish um, their high school education and then start telling them. Now, we should tap it while it's still young, while it's still fresh. That is when we should tap it. So to the Ministry of Education, if they could be listening to it, sexual education is very vital and very it's very very important 
beautiful, yeah. beautiful tone for us to conclude this nice conversation. Uh, the comprehensive sexuality education is very essential and very important to everyone, especially yeah. the young adults. And uh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. So thank you so much, Ruel, for sharing your experience with us, for supporting other Yankee population, for being a champion for the rights of Yankee population. And please keep doing the good job that you're doing and keep on being an inspiration. Thank you so much. And thank you very much to our listeners. Until next time. Bye-bye.